episode is sponsored by award-winning book, Spirit of the Woods, the story of a young woman's encounter with Bigfoot by James Allen Ross. Hey, Booth Bangs. It's your girl, Rebecca. And Lily. And you're listening to... Just Ghouly Things. <laughs> that was almost the same note. It was. <laughs> hey, Booth Bangs. And welcome back to Just Ghouly Things. And we are your beautiful hosts, Rebecca and Lily. Hey. So I'm not trying to get too close to the mic or too close to you. Not because of you. It's just because like I haven't brushed my teeth like I told you. And I'm drinking coffee. So it's just an absolute you're like that, dumpster. You're like that here. one teacher that always wanted to give you the answers to the test. But had coffee breath. And they'd be like, literally, I didn't tell you this, but it's all of the above. You know, and they, were, they always like would be whispering in your face. Or like the one where... You're taking a test. For me specifically, it was math. And clearly the teacher's like behind my shoulder and could see that I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. And they'll just kind of like either go like, hmm. Like a little, like, like a little thing or like a little nod no. And <laughs> That's then you true. I've got a little point of the finger. Yes. To give some context clues. I remember, um, I remember when I did algebra, I did the... I, okay, so you know how like they teach you ways to think, which is like a dumb thing to do because you can't help how your brain works. Yeah. So we had to do, you when you did algebra, you had to do the whole like cross out the number and yeah. rearrange the problem. All I ever did was go to the side of the paper and just rearrange the numbers and reverse um, the form of math you were doing. So like if it was like 14 minus X equals eight, well then you just, you know, how did I do it? <laughs> You're asking the wrong Oh, bitch. yeah, 14. Yeah, so if it was like um, X plus 14 equals 8, then you just subtract 8 from 14. 14. You just reverse. It's always the same three numbers in algebra. You just need to reverse the action that you're doing, mm-hmm. and then you'll find the number if it's a three-number problem. Easy. And I remember when we learned it, I, I had my first test, and I went up. Her name was Miss Kennedy. Mm-hmm. She was the best math teacher I've ever had. And I went up to her, and I was like... Hey, Miss Kennedy, um, I did the problem. I, I, she's like, I was like, I think I got the answers right, but I did the problems a little differently. Like, you know, um, when I would show my work on my homework, I don't know if you saw. She was like, you're getting the right answers. Like, it's totally fine. And then I um, love that. And then I had her again the next year, and I was doing the problems differently. And she would always, but she like always graded me the same. You know, because she, cause she would say, like, you know how, like, you could go after school? Mm-hmm. I remember going after school once just because I had missed a test and I went to take the test. And I was like, you know, do you grade me the same as the other kids? And she was like, yeah, because, like, you're still thinking. She's like, you're doing math and you're getting the right answer. It's just you're doing, you're doing a shortcut. Yeah, which is fine. As long as you get the right answer, I don't see what the big deal was. Do you exactly. know that now in school, when, they, when you do, I think it's, like, long multiplication or, like, mm-hmm. with bigger numbers... They have this whole, like, box system. I've heard do- about the boxes. Okay, so I have watched, like, five videos. So the first video, it was strictly, it came up on, like, I don't know, somehow I ended up coming to watch this video, and I was so intrigued by how dumb it was. Because <laughs> I really couldn't understand how they were coming up with this answer or how they thought that this was easier for kids to learn. Yeah, it's not. It's not, in my opinion. I don't know if this new generation, their brains are working differently. I don't know. But I went to, on YouTube and I watched a couple more videos to so maybe mm-hmm. think the instructor maybe mm-hmm. was being vague. Yeah. Still don't understand it. The thing is that there's definitely going to be like some young minds out there who might work better with that system. Yeah. Who might be able to grasp it. But it's like, 
Most of the comments were negative, though. Like, okay, I guess my kid's going to get zeros on their homework when <laughs> they ask me because I have no idea how to do this. I honestly, like, whenever I... The thing is, the way I did it, I didn't need help with math homework. You know, with that specific subject. Because honestly, when you come down to it, things like that are just logic. Yeah. You don't have to think of them as numbers and addition. Like, you're just like, okay, logically, if I have three numbers and I'm missing one, all you have to do is find how it's missing. Yeah. Right? So if it's division, all you need to do is multiply the other two numbers. Mm -hmm. It's so, like, I don't want to say easy, right? Because it's not easy for everyone. But if you just kind of break it down into something you have naturally, like Mm -hmm. logic. Like, I'm, although I don't act logically, like, my brain thrives on logic. Just the way your brain processes certain information. Yeah. I gotcha. My brain, not my behavior. (laughs) My behavior is the most illogical train wreck you will ever see. I think that needs to be a new quote on your dating profiles. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, so I had a date. So you know how I deleted the dating apps and then two two days later I re-downloaded one? Oh, so your normal week? Okay. Yeah. And then I I undownloaded them again because. (laughs) Stay tuned, guys. I was getting, here's the thing. I put up new pictures of myself and I stopped getting likes. (laughs) I took all new pictures. I had my makeup done, so... Lily, I, you have to do some market research, okay? So those just weren't the pictures, all right? We know we got a backdrop. Yeah, my, my old pictures worked, but then if I meet someone in person, which is rare, but if I did, I'd show up, they'd be like, what's this Cabbage Patch Kid-looking bitch doing here? Stop it. You are beautiful, Lily. Aww. You just haven't found the right one yet. Yeah. The dating apps are hard. And like I was telling you last week when I was talking to the girl that was blowing <laughs> up my hair, I, I literally told her, I was like, yeah, my best friend like does the whole dating app thing. I don't get how you guys do it mm-hmm. because it stresses me out listening to her stories about yeah. all the duds she goes oh on dates God. with. <laughs> but, uh, but they turn. I have to say, they turn into great stories. Like the guy who lied about his age and height. I love that. You know what I mean? And like I like he said he was um like 5'11", right? And then he was only like an inch or two taller than me, which I don't mind. Like I don't I tend yeah. to not like super tall guys. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So, I was cool with it. But it was like why would you lie? And it, it wasn't even like a you lied to me thing, but uh-huh. it's like why would you lie about something you can see? That's the Like whole I don't thing. I don't say I have blonde hair cuz you're going like, to know. The thing is is if you're going to lie about it, don't lie about it and then meet up with me. Exactly. Because I'm going to find out. Yeah. Unless you put lifts in your shoes that are super, super high. I mean, we're going to find out. We're going to know. <laughs> it's like, there's this episode of Seinfeld where George Costanza meets a woman who's yes. his height, but he's in work boots, and uh-huh. then he always has to wear them. Oh, my God. I have to say, I love Seinfeld mm-hmm. because they always had an episode for every possible weird situation get yourself into. Let's talk about what this week's episode is on, Lily. We're doing a little history on Halloween. (laughs) We didn't even plan that. But yeah, um, I feel like we've talked a little bit about Halloween, and Mm -hmm. obviously we talk a lot about spooky, kooky, kooky stories, Mm -hmm. but I don't think we've ever gone to depth about the real origin behind Halloween and... Kind of how certain things that we see as just normal Halloween festivities, how mm-hmm. it came to be. Mm-hmm. So, um, Lily and I are going to go back and forth with different uh, different things that we found online. Yes. So, pretty much, in a nutshell, Halloween is a combination of a variety of different cultural and religious, re- religious beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. And most beliefs around the world have traditions and celebrations that regard the dead. So... 
for example, Halloween, the way we celebrate it in the United States is a lot different than in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And Halloween's origin dates back to the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. Uh, and the Celts, who lived 2,000 years ago, mostly in the area that's now Ireland, um, the United Kingdom, and northern France, celebrated their new year on November 1st. So this day marked the end of summer and the harvest and the beginning of the dark, cold winter, a time when that was often associated with human death. Oh! Yep, Celts believe that on the night before the new year, the boundary between the world of the living and the dead became blurred. And on the night of October 31st, they celebrated Samhain when it was believed that the ghost of the dead returned to Earth. Oh! Yeah. So Halloween goes back pretty, pretty far. Um, and in addition to causing trouble and damaging crops, Celts thought that the presence of the otherworldly spirits made it easier for the Druids, or Celtic priests, to make predictions about the future. Uh, for a people entirely dependent on the volatile natural world, these prophecies were an important source of comfort during the very long, hard, dark winter. Mm. So it's kind of like when we talk about with Greek mythology, the reason why Greek mythology was made up was for people to have an, have an explanation for what mm -hmm. was going on around them. This was a source of comfort for people when they really didn't have, like, you know, the Weather Channel or yeah. the meteorologist Sam Champion to tell you what was going to happen next week. So, uh, yeah, this was this was also not only to celebrate the dead, but to also get answers for the future. And to commemorate the event, Druids built huge sacred bonfires where the people gathered to burn crops, have animal sacrifices to the Celtic deities, and during the celebration, the Celts wore costumes, typically consisting of animal heads and skins and attempting to tell each other's fortunes. So that's oh. kind of where the Halloween costume comes into play currently. Interesting. And when the celebration was over, they relit their hearth fires, which they had extinguished earlier that evening from the sacred bonfire to help protect them during the coming winter. Mm. By 43 AD, the Roman Empire had conquered the majority of Celtic territory. And in the course of the 400 years that they ruled the Celtic lands, two festivals of Roman origin were combined with the traditional Celtic celebration of Samhain. The first was called Feralia, which is a day in late October when the Romans traditionally commemorated the passing of the dead. Mm -hmm. The second was a day to honor Pomona, which is the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. The symbol of Pomona is the apple, and the incorporation of the celebration into Samhain probably explains the tradition of bobbing for apples that are practiced today during Halloween. Oh! So, you know, sometimes you see a Halloween mm -hmm. parties or... The bobbing for apples. Yeah, yeah, like in the Charlie Brown Great Pumpkin and... You know, Lucy puts her head in, and then uh, Snoopy comes out, and he's, like, on the apple. Do you remember that scene? I actually never really watched Charlie Brown. <gasps> I found it boring! Oh, my God. I found it boring! Really? I found it boring! So, this is actually... I mean, I'm not sitting here, like, obsessed with Charlie Brown, but mm -hmm. I do every year watch The Great Pumpkin, mm -hmm. and there's this one scene that Lucy's bobbing for apples in the little apple mm -hmm. water thing, and she pulls her head out, and she has the apple in her mouth, but on the other end of the apple is Snoopy. Aww. And she looks and like has a realization. She's like, yuck, 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 <laughs> Ah, dog, blah, 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 blah. And Aww. Snoopy's just sitting there like, bitch, I'm probably cleaner than you. Shut up. Oh, I love Snoopy. She's such a bitch. Like, she had no... I shouldn't say that about a children's cartoon character. <laughs> no, but okay, they made her so that... 
Adults can describe her as a bitch. All Souls Day was celebrated similarly to Samhain um, with big bonfires, parades, dressing up in costumes as saints, angels, and devils. The All Saints Day celebration was also called All Hallows or All Hallowmas. And the night before it, the traditional night of Samhain in the Celtic region began to be called All Hallows Eve and eventually Halloween. So the celebration of Halloween was extremely limited in colonial New England because of the rigid Protestant belief systems there. Halloween was much more common in Maryland and the southern colonies. Mm -hmm. And as the beliefs and customs of different European ethnic groups and the American Indians meshed, a distinctly American version of Halloween began to emerge. Now, the first celebrations included play parties, which were public events held to celebrate the harvest. Neighbors would share stories of the dead, tell each other's fortunes, dance, and sing. So, very similar to what we talked about previously. Colonial Halloween festivities also featured the telling of ghost stories and mischief-making of all kinds. And by the middle of the 19th century, annual autumn festivities were common, but Halloween was not yet celebrated everywhere in the country. And in the second half of the 19th century, America was flooded with new immigrants. These new immigrants, especially the millions of Irish fleeing the Irish potato famine, helped to popularize the celebration of Halloween nationally. How did I not put that two and two together as soon as they said Ireland? Um, so I have some stuff on the history of trick-or-treating and actually some interesting fun facts because I spoke to my mom about this a couple nights ago. So borrowing from European traditions, um, Americans began to dress up in costumes and go house to house for food or money, um, a practice that eventually became today's trick-or-treat tradition. Young women believed that on Halloween they could divine the name or appearance of their future husband oh, okay. by doing tricks with yarn, apple parings, or mirrors. Lily, I think we have a new idea. <laughs> Honestly. New game plan. You know what? Might Why not? Tried. What's At the worst point? that could happen? What could possibly go wrong? So in the late 1800s, there was a move in America to mold Halloween into a holiday more about community and neighborly get-togethers than about ghosts, pranks, and witchcraft. At the turn of the century, Halloween parties for both children and adults became the most common way to celebrate the day. Parties focused on games, foods of the season, and festive costumes. Parents were encouraged by newspapers and community leaders to take anything frightening or grotesque out of Halloween celebrations. Because of these efforts, Halloween lost most of its superstitious and religious overtones by the beginning of the 20th century. I remember my mom telling me that... Um, Obviously, like, the early 20th century she was not alive for. But I remember her telling me that where she lived, um, they had something called, I think it was called, like, Beggar's Night or something. Mm -hmm. And they did their trick-or-treating on the 30th. And the reason they did that was so that the parents could go to Halloween parties themselves oh, on Halloween. okay. Because they didn't want people drinking and driving. Uh -huh. Now, I never talked to my dad about it. I don't know how they did it where he, like, in New Jersey or New York where he was lived, like, wherever he was. But I know that where my mom grew up, like, it was, like, kids, Halloween was on the 30th. And that's when they did their trick-or-treating and the kids had parties. And then the 31st, they got a babysitter and the parents went to their parties on actual Halloween. That way there weren't kids out with okay. adults, drunk adults out. Yeah. Oh. Right? I feel like here in New Jersey, we have Mischief Night. Yes. They didn't have the that. She didn't have Mischief Night. I don't, is that like just a like an East Coast thing? I think it's mostly an East Coast thing, and not every, and peop, other states don't call it Mischief Night. They call it um, oh, what was it called? Uh, I know what, what is it called. Oh, uh, 
Cabbage night. Cabbage night. That's what Cabbage I knew. Cabbage night and stupid. goose night. And, oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, but in New, if you Google mischief night, the Google suggestion is mischief night, New Jersey. So I think we might, or maybe New York is like, we're really the only ones who call it mischief night. Everyone else calls it like cabbage night or goosing oh. night. So, um, but Interesting. yeah, so when we were, ha- probably when my dad was out on mischief night, my mom was out trick-or-treating. Makes a lot of sense. Well, good transition into what I'm going to be talking mm-hmm. about, which is now the Halloween parties. Yay! So by the 1920s and 1930s, Halloween had become a secular but community-centered holiday with parades and town-wide Halloween parties as the uh, featured entertainment. And despite the best efforts of many schools and communities, vandalism began to plague some of the celebrations in many communities during this time. You know, can't have nice things here in America. <laughs> By the 1950s, town leaders and successfully limited vandal- had successfully limited vandalism, and Halloween had evolved into a holiday directed mainly at the young. Now, due to the high numbers of young children during the 50s baby boom, parties moved from town civic centers into the classroom or home where they could be more easily accommodated. And between 1920 and 1950, the centuries-old practice of trick-or-treating was also revived. Trick-or-treating was relatively an inexpensive way for an entire community to share the Halloween celebration. And in theory, families could also prevent tricks being played on them by providing the neighborhood children with the small treats. Oh! Yep, thus a new American tradition was born and has continued to grow. And today... Americans spend an estimated $6 billion annually on Halloween, making it the country's second largest commercial holiday after Christmas. Holy shit. Yeah. The more you know. So, scary Halloween movies have a long history of being box office hits. Classic movies include the Halloween franchise, based on the 1978 original film, directed by John Carpenter, and starring Donald Pleasance, Nick Castle, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Tony Moran. In Halloween, a young boy named Michael Myers murders his 17-year-old sister and is committed to jail, only to escape as a teen on Halloween night and seek out his old home and a new target. And this is actually one of my favorite fun facts ever, because once you see it, you can't unsee it, uh-huh. is that Michael Myers' mask is actually a William Shatner mask. Insane. That when they I was like doing my research, I was like, what? I know. <laughs> what? I remember watching it, as I was watching it for the first time, my dad told me, because I was like, he's too scary. He was like, you know, that's a William Shatner mask that they, like, cut the holes out of and put face paint on. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, let's keep (laughs) Now I can't unsee it. Yeah. And it's considered a classic horror film, even down to its spooky soundtrack. It inspired 11 other films in the franchise and other slasher films like Scream, Nightmare on, Scream, (laughs) Nightmare on Elm Street, and Friday the 13th. I would like to say that it's so true. You hear like the Halloween music in your head and you freak out. Mm-hmm. Like that. You automatically get gooseys. Yeah. Gooseys. There is also, um, it reminds me of the American Horror Story intro when it's like. Mm, yes. Yes. Yeah. That freaks me out. Um, let me see what is next. Yes. So the direct sequel to Halloween was released in 2018. Mm-hmm. Starring Jamie Lee Curtis and Nick Castle. More family-friendly Halloween movies include Hocus Pocus, my favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, Nightmare Before Christmas. My favorite. Beetlejuice. And It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. So now I'm going to be going into All Souls Day and Soul Cakes. So the American Halloween tradition of trick-or-treating probably dates back to the early All Souls Day parades in England. And during the festivities, poor citizens would beg for food and families would give them pastries called soul cakes in return for their promise to pray for the family's dead relatives. 
The distribution of soul cakes was encouraged by the church as a way to replace the ancient practice of leaving food and wine for roaming spirits. The practice, which was referred to as going a souling, was was eventually taken up by children who would visit the houses in their neighborhood and be given ale, food, and money. The tradition of dressing and costume for Halloween has both European and Celtic roots. Hundreds of years ago, winter was an uncertain and frightening time. Food supplies often ran low, and for the many people afraid of the dark, the short days of winter were a constant worry and anxiety, and it was just just not a good time for most people. <laughs> so on Halloween, when it was believed that ghosts came back to the earthly world, people thought that they would encounter ghosts if they left their homes. Mm-hmm. So on top of just already being scared shitless of the dark, now you're worried about encountering a ghost when you just open your door. That's me every time, though. Let's be honest. <laughs> but the amount of stories you read, that's not surprising. Yeah. <laughs> so to avoid being recognized by these ghosts, people would then wear masks when they left their homes after dark so that the ghost would just mistaken them for a fellow spirit. On Halloween, to keep ghosts away from their houses, people would place bowls of food outside their homes to appease the ghosts and prevent them from attempting to enter their house. Mm. So... I want to go in a little bit to kind of the, um, what's it called? Um, like traditions and superstitions. So things like black cats and ghosts. So, so Halloween has always been a holiday filled with mystery, magic, and superstition. So back when it began as the end of summer festival where people felt especially close to deceive relatives and friends, they would actually set places at the dinner table mm-hmm. and they would leave treats on doorsteps and along the side of the road and they lit candles to help their loved ones find their way back to the spirit world. Today's Halloween ghosts are often depicted as more fearsome and malevolent and our customs and superstitions are scarier too. We avoid crossing paths with black cats, afraid that they might bring us bad luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, this idea had its roots in the Middle Ages when many people believed that witches avoided detection by turning themselves into black cats. Uh, Salem from Sabrina the Teenage Witch has entered the chat. We try not to walk under ladders for some reason. And this super- superstition may have come from the ancient Egyptians who believed that triangles were sacred. And it also may have something to do with the fact that walking under a leaning ladder tends to be fairly unsafe. That's a good call. (laughs) Around Halloween especially, we try to avoid breaking mirrors, stepping on cracks in the road, or spilling salt. Jack-o'-lantern comes from the Irish legend of Stingy Jack, um, which is funny because when I first read it, I thought, is it Stingy Jack? And I was like, what the heck? And... Uh, jack-o'-lanterns were actually not originally made from pumpkins i heard they were made from turnips originally really yeah um well it said carved pumpkins were originally carved into turnips um so you know turnips were involved in some way shape or form um turnips yeah legend has it that stingy jack invited the devil to have a drink with him but jack didn't want to pay for the drink so he convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin instead of buying the drink he pocketed the coin and kept it close to a silver cross in his house preventing the devil from taking shape again these stories are fucking wild that's honestly what i do with my dates when you ask me why i haven't heard from them it's because i turned them into money and pocketed it so stingy jack uh promised to let the devil go as long as he would leave jack alone for a year and that if Jack died, the devil would not claim his soul. After a year, Jack tricked the devil again to leave him alone and not claim his soul. But when Jack died, God didn't want such a conniving person in heaven, and the devil, true to his world, would not allow him into hell, 
or true to his word. <laughs> Sorry. So Jack was sent off into the night with only a burning coal to light his path. He placed the coal inside a carved out turnip mm. and has been roaming the earth ever since. People in Ireland and Scotland began creating their own creations of Jack's lanterns out of turnips, beets, and potatoes. Um, the tradition traveled to the United States along with those immigrants um, from the potato famine, and people began to use pumpkins native to North America for the lanterns instead. The more you know. I right? Never knew that. The whole turnip thing is like throwing me off. I don't even remember. When's the last time I fucking saw a turnip? I never used turnip. But, but what do you use a turnip for? I have no idea. I mean, apparently, if it was a like, couple thousand or hundred years ago, it would be for a jack o' lantern. So, um, when I read this section of my research, I immediately thought of you, Lily. So, take a notebook out. So, this is Halloween matchmaking and lesser known rituals. All right. So, in particular, many had to do with helping young women identify their future husbands and reassuring them that they would someday, with luck by next Halloween, be married. Wait, I need this because we all know I've identified my future husband as Bagel Boy. Uh-huh. So, let's see if we can get this happening by for next Halloween 22. Okay. So... In 18th century Ireland, a matchmaking cook might bury a ring in her mashed potatoes on Halloween night, mm -hmm. hoping to bring true love to the diner who found it. Doing this. In Scotland, fortune tellers recommended that an eligible young woman name a hazelnut for each of her suitors, then toss the nuts into the fireplace. So we need more Doing than one this. suitor. So well. we got to get back on the app, silly. The nut, <laughs> the nut that burned to ashes rather than popping or exploding, the story went, represented the girl's future husband. And then in some versions of this legend, the opposite is true. So that the nut that burned away symbolized mm -hmm. the love that wouldn't last. Well, we need to figure this out before we do it. Yeah, we got to do trial and error here. So another tale had it that if a young woman ate a sugary concoction made out of walnuts, hazelnuts, and nutmeg before bed on Halloween night, she would dream about her future husband. Dude, copy and paste these in the text. <laughs> <laughs> a young woman tossed apple peels over her shoulders, hoping that the peels would fall on the floor in the shape of their future husband's initials. Mm. Try to learn about their futures by peering at egg yolks floating in a bowl of water and then stood in front of mirrors in darkened rooms holding candles and looking over their shoulders for their husband's faces. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Um, then there's other rituals which were more competitive. Um, at some Halloween parties, the first guest to find a burr on a chestnut hunt would be the first to marry, and then at others, the first successful apple bobber would be the first one down the aisle. Mm. And of course, whether we're asking for romantic advice or trying to avoid seven years of bad luck, each one of these Halloween superstitions relies on the goodwill of the very same spirits whose presence the early Celts felt so keenly about. Do you have any apples? <laughs> I actually do. I bought a bunch of Granny Smith apples. Should we do it? Put we it on Patreon? <laughs> Exclusive content. Yes! You guys will be the first to know Lily's soulmate. All right. Well, on that note, thank you so much, Boo. Thanks for listening. And uh, let's shut out those socials so you can start following them. Yes, please. I'm ready. All right. Follow us on Instagram at Just Ghouling Things Podcast. Our personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and at Lily Baldessari. Twitter, JGT Podcast. Facebook like page, Just Ghouling Things Podcast. Facebook private group, Just Ghouling Things Podcast group. Donate to that Patreon, Just Ghouling Things Podcast. Uh, you can totally buy our merch at Just Ghouling Things Podcast on Tee Public or Ruber.com slash shop. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience that you'd like to share on our show, feel free to email us at. <gasps> 
Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, Boo Things, and we will talk to Boo next week. Goodbye. Alex Knight, the world's foremost authority on Bigfoot research, heads to Canada to investigate a profoundly incredible Bigfoot encounter. His daughter, Sydney, eagerly joins the expedition. Accompanied by reluctant Toronto television hostess Amira Ali, Sid and her father's team adventure north in pursuit of the legendary Sasquatch. Prophecy from a forgotten Algonquin tribe and a mystical calling deeply connects Sydney to the creature. The revelation of unknown truths ensures that Sydney will never see the forest or herself the same again. Get your copy of James Allen Ross's Spirit of the Woods, the story of a young woman's encounter with Bigfoot, now for the price of $9.99 paperback and $0.99 on Kindle. Available on Amazon now.